What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 42nd episode of The Crossroads, celebrating 20 years of the Xbox brand. My name is Ryan Turford, and this is the show where we're counting down the months to the 20-year anniversary of the original Xbox with 50 of the best games to play on the console for both new and experienced owners. We dive into the brief history of each game and talk about what makes them awesome. As always, we'd love your feedback on this and all of our shows over on Twitter at Yumi Caprice, or you can reach out to me directly anytime at Ryan Turford. Now, quick note before I dive into this episode's topic, um, I actually released episode 42 and 43 back to back this week, um, mainly because I had to make up for a week from when I moved. But I did this kind of intentionally because these two games go together. However, the way that the, the the episode scheduling was set up, I scheduled them in the order that I ranked them on the list, essentially, meaning that um, I actually rank the, the KOTOR 2, which is today's episode, below KOTOR 1, but I highly encourage you, dear listener, to actually turn this episode off. Go back and listen to the KOTOR 1 episode, episode 43, the one that comes after this, first before listening to this episode, because this is essentially a companion piece to that episode. Um, I just didn't want to cram them all into one episode and kind of do them back to back. And I wanted to list them kind of in the order that I had them listed um, so that, you know, if you wanted to have my actual list and you want to, you know, do whatever you want with it, whether you're compiling a list of games you should play on Xbox, for example, um, I, I definitely wanted to kind of structure it this way. So go back and listen to the KOTOR 1 episode first before listening to this one, because I'm going to reference back a little bit to that episode first in this episode. So just keep that all in mind. Now, let's talk about Knights of the Old Republic 2. This is comes to us from Obsidian, so not Bioware this time around, um, because essentially what happened with the history of this game, which is really, really bizarre. I don't know why LucasArts wanted to do it this way, but essentially when Knights of the Old Republic is being developed at Bioware, they basically decided that they wanted to do a sequel to Knights of the Old Republic, but essentially come out, have it come out like less than a year after, after the first one for some reason. Um, but Bioware said that that really wasn't going to be possible based on, uh, you know, if you know anything about AAA game development, for example, you know that, that it would be kind of an impossible task, um, especially for a RPG of this size for them to develop like two games in a year, essentially. <laughs> so what ended up happening was uh, Bioware's actually worked with Obsidian in the past on a bunch of other projects uh, before KOTOR 2 came out. So um, they actually had proposed the idea to maybe have Obsidian kind of take over the, the development of KOTOR 2. And essentially, um, they Bioware would share a bunch of assets, the engine and other elements of KOTOR 1 while it was being in development so that Obsidian would basically be able to develop the sequel and then have it actually launch when LucasArts wanted to have this game kind of come out. But even then, though, the interesting thing about KOTOR 2, if, you, if you've played it or if you know anything about the history of KOTOR 2, is that, um, that even when kind of hitting that, that deadline and kind of going through this whole arduous process, the game itself actually released in an unfinished state anyways, because essentially LucasArts said, look, you got to get this out, of the, out the door this year on this date. And like no excuses at this point. So for the most part, the game's unfinished. Like you get to the end of the game and the game just ends without like, you know, like uh, without like any real resolution or anything like that. Um, there's a bunch of unfinished, like a bunch of bugs in the game that um, were patched on the PC version because there was a PC version of KOTOR 2 that came out. But 
the console version of KOTOR 2 had all these bugs in it that never got patched. Because again, we have to remember this is an original Xbox game, so they couldn't patch games back then. So there was no way to remove any of the bugs from the game. So as a result, it's uh, an interesting hodgepodge of a game. But you know what, though? The fact that I have KOTOR 2 on ninth, number nine on this list, despite all the things I just mentioned, just shows how much I actually really enjoyed this game. I think KOTOR 2 um, was actually just of it as an amazing experience as the first game. But in fact, I remember the first time I played it that really I was really actually enjoying the game more than KOTOR 1 until pretty much the end of the game. And it was kind of the ending that kind of like just left a sour taste in my mouth as far as, you know, how I felt about this game in particular because I was ready to basically put this game above KOTOR 1 the first time I played it because I was really enjoying it a lot um, and really just it falls apart within the first like the, the last like hour of the game um, because again they basically had to rush this game out the door and um, there there isn't really you know much of an ending to the story it just you know it's just like okay cool what is what does this mean and it, that that that's pretty big kind of how the, the game ends and then we never got a KOTOR 3 after that which is just just made that whole experience whole all the the worse although we did eventually get um the old republic mmo from ea that basically takes the ending of KOTOR 2 and then basically uh incorporates it into kind of the next republic canon and then basically um brings that into the main story itself for the old republic and that's kind of where it sets itself up. So it's not necessarily like taking place right at the end of KOTOR 2. It takes place um, quite a bit farther into the future than than the ending of that game. Um, but it does kind of uh, give you some at least closure to what the ending was in Knights of the Republic 2 and kind of, you know, where uh, where everything kind of just left off with this game. So anyways, I should I'd probably get into the story proper. So let's talk about Knights of the Republic 2 right now. Now, in KOTOR 2, you once again play as a character of your creation, just like in the first game, but you're known as the Exile, a Jedi Knight who was exiled from the Jedi Order for reasons that you'll find out again later in the game. This story actually takes place five years after the original KOTOR, and regardless of what ending you have, again, they don't really explain this too well, like as far as the gap is concerned, but essentially within that five years, the galaxy is once again under Sith control, regardless of you know your outcome from the first game, and the Jedi are pretty much all but wiped out. You're tasked with finding the remaining Jedi to fight against the Sith and hopefully bringing balance to the universe once again. So again, I thought the story started off on kind of a weird note because again, like if you played the ending from KOTOR 1, like you basically go and, and you know, destroy the, the, the big bads from KOTOR 1, um, which again, I don't want to spoil because uh, I talked about it uh, on ne the next episode, but um, KOTOR 1 um, has a, a remake coming out. So I don't want to spoil any of the story moments from, from that game. Um, so, re but regardless of what ending you get from that game, it just, it starts off on kind of a sour note where essentially, again, the, the, the Sith have pretty much wiped out the Republic. Um, they basically have control of pretty much the entire galaxy at this point. Um, pretty much all of the Jedis are dead at this point. Um, so it's just really interesting where this story kind of picks up and, and just comes out of nowhere with its, uh, you know, much darker tone 
than the first game for sure. But at the same time, you visit a lot of familiar planets from the first game, as well as some new planets as well. Um, for the, I think for the first time in any video game, we got to go to uh, Mandalore, which is the home of the Mandalorians. Um, you also go back to, to Nar Shaddaa's, uh, as well as a bunch of other planets um, from the first game. And I, I really enjoyed visiting the planets in Knights of the Republic 2. I do think the game's story structure is much better balanced than the first game. Um, I talked about this on the KOTOR episode, but they essentially Terrace, the first mission in KOTOR, is like so slow and, and plotting to go through, and it's just, it, it's not a great way to start this experience. And while KOTOR 2 starts with you on like this Paragus satellite um, which is kind of this like um, space station that's in orbit and it's basically taken over by a bunch of like evil robots essentially um, that even though it's kind of boring as well in the same way that Terrace is at the same time, number one, you start as a, a Jedi this time around. So for the most part, the story itself a little more interesting um, than it was in the first game combined with the fact that that whole section goes way faster than the Terrace section from the first game. So the story itself picks up a lot faster than it does in KOTOR 1, and I think the pacing overall for the story itself is actually much better than KOTOR 1 in particular. So um, I actually really like the writing in this game. I think it, it's fantastic, um, and it's got an incredible cast of characters too, just like the first game. I know that Obsidian talked about it in interviews while the game was being developed, but they knew from KOTOR 1's reception that one of the things that you know people praised about the first game was its companions, so they made that kind of a big focus during their development of the game um, is basically crafting um, really in excellent and interesting companions. Just like in the first game, though, they had their own interesting backstories and companion missions and whatnot that you could go on. But this time around, they actually added a new wrinkle to the story where you could actually train your allies who were not Jedis to be Jedis. And you could actually turn them into Jedis or you would also turn them into Sith because if you actually followed the, the path of the dark side, you could actually um, c convert some of your Force-sensitive characters to the dark side. And that whole process is actually really interesting, and it's kind of like a puzzle onto itself as to like all of the conditions you kind of have to meet, because uh, for each character, there's like a different set of conditions you have to follow to basically make them f go to the dark side or the light side, which I thought was really interesting and unique versus the first game um, where for the most part you just had your your three Jedi uh, or, or sorry your fourth four Jedi including your main character from the first game and then that was kind of it whereas in this game you could make almost all of your character members into Jedis except for your droids for the most part most of the other characters could become force sensitive Jedi characters which I thought was just such a cool addition to the story and and the way that the story plays out with the, your your conversion of your characters to the Jedi is just really interesting. So yeah, I really love that addition to the story, but overall, again, most, just like the first game, I think a lot of the best elements from the story in KOTOR 2 happen towards the end of the game, and I kind of love kind of the buildup towards kind of the final conflict that happens towards the end of the game and kind of like how your character, the exile, kind of interacts with the Jedi Council, I think was really interesting and cool. So um, yeah, I really love kind of those elements of the story. So yeah, I think KOTOR 2's story is incredible just like the first games it's writing is top notch again it's obsidian kind of at their finest this time around so i think that the writing is well really well done again if it wasn't for that ending honestly i'd probably like this game story more than kotor one if i'm being per perfectly honest so either way kotor 2's story is amazing but let's jump into the gameplay because you know we got some things to talk about here 
So similar to KOTOR 1, this is another turn-based role-playing game where essentially you have your, your three party members and you basically have auto attacks and you basically assign them to attack an enemy and they just, you know, sit there and wail on them. You use basically abilities off cooldown. So um, for the most part, it's it's the same combat from the first game, but I feel like the pace of the combat is actually increased a little bit this time around. And I think the power progression for your characters is actually a little bit smoother this time around because I, I ta- as I talked about on the KOTOR episode, I feel like your character becomes way too powerful too quickly. And essentially you become, you go from like zero to 60 and become like ultra powerful by like the second planet you go to in KOTOR versus in KOTOR 2. I feel like that power progression becomes, you know, much smoother along the way. Not only that, but I really like the the sections of gameplay where you don't have your main character and then you're basically relying on controlling, you know, three of your random, you know, uh, side characters and then kind of experiencing the story that way. And they do that, you know, a lot more in this game that they did in um, the original quarter. You had that a little bit, but in this game in particular, you see much more of that kind of take on it, which again, I think makes the gameplay a little bit more interesting because um, you're playing as characters that you're might not used to playing, especially if you just rely on kind of playing your main character, your creative character, and then your other two um, characters are controlled by the AI. Uh, this time around though, you're, you're forced into playing as characters you might not be as familiar with. So I love um, that element of the gameplay experience. And yeah, I think the gameplay itself is a little more smoother, but it runs into the, all the same problems I talked about on the KOTOR episode where I do think, there are some issues with the gameplay. Um, it it still kind of feels kind of janky and um, it doesn't really hold up super well today. It is definitely much harder to go back to, especially for someone who didn't play this game, you know, back when it came out um, to go back to a game like this. Um, and again, I feel the same way about Final Fantasy 12 or um, MMO combat is also what this kind of reminds me of where it's, again, it's all about auto attacks and skills that you use kind of intermittently, um, whether they're on cooldown or they use your force power resource. So um, I think that those like this type of gameplay system doesn't always work super well in a single player game. Um, I, I like this more in kind of, you know, multiplayer specific games that um, the reason the gameplay is like that is for latency purposes versus, you know, if you're playing it by yourself, it is a little bit tougher to go back to. So for anyone who's new to the game, I can understand the trepidations that someone might have for, you know, playing this game for the first time in, you know, 2021. I definitely think it is harder to go back to for sure. And just like I talked about with the first game, the visuals haven't really aged super well in this game either. Um, I do think, though, you have a lot more diversity in the visuals in KOTOR 2. Um, so I definitely think it it helps. Um, and I think that the visual design was actually a little bit better in this game versus the first game. So um, I will say that it is a little bit easier on the eyes to go back to this game. Um, but at the same time, you know, visually... It's not great either. So I can imagine it being really tough for someone playing this for the first time today and seeing kind of the visual design with this one and and kind of going from there. And unfortunately, again, I don't think we'll ever see kind of a remake for KOTOR 2 in the same way we're getting one for KOTOR 1. So I don't think we're ever going to see the visuals from this game in like, you know, high definition, like high clarity visuals that, you know, we wanted to see with KOTOR 2. Um, So I think that for the most part, you're kind of stuck with this version of the game if you want to play it. And uh, it's fine. It exists. Uh, again, overall, like as far as the visuals are concerned, it's not great. But at the same time, I think it's vis- more visually pleasing than the first game. So overall, with KOTOR 2, same as kind of my thoughts on the first game as well. I think the the, the writing and story are incredible in this game, despite, again, all the issues with I have with the ending and despite kind of some of the, the bugs. I do think it's a game that is still well worth 
playing today and as is the first game. I think that this is a game that any Star Wars fan should play. Anyone who is a fan of great writing in video games should absolutely play at some point. Um, you have to kind of get past the visuals, which again can take you kind of out of the experience. But I think this game is incredible still today, but it doesn't hold up super well, which is the reason why it's in the number one nine spot instead of the number two or three spot on this list. So um, I definitely think it's worth playing today. Um, but unfortunately, again, it's going to be a little bit harder to go back to if you haven't played it before. Now, if you're looking to pick up KOTOR 2 today, good news, it is fully backwards compatible on all Xbox consoles, and just like KOTOR 1, it did receive X enhancements, so it looks a little bit shinier, a little bit better on 1X or Series X, plus, in addition to the, like, the first game, it's got some longer load times, so you're definitely going to want to play it on Series S or Series X if you have a, those available to you, as those load times are pretty much instant at that point, and you're going to be kind of hopping between places a lot. Um, thanks to the game's fast travel. So you're going to want to basically have the faster load times, I think. That's all for this episode of The Crossroads. You can hit me up on Twitter anytime at Ryan Turford. You also find the Pantsman himself on Twitter at Sean Capri or also on Twitter at Yumi Capri's. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Crossroads and we out. Bye.